What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What is up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. We got plenty to talk about. It is now the start of the playoffs. Playtime is over. It is week 14, and we're trying to catch dubs and move on. And if you're listening in and you got a playoff bye, or if you're just out of the playoffs, don't worry. Still got some good content for you. We got, we got the five betting lines. There's probably going to be some dynasty stuff mixed in. Because a quick look into how I run my podcast, usually I give myself an outline, some notes, but I really just take it from there. Because I got all the the true content in my head. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'll just pull out some dynasty takes that I don't have in the notes or whatever that just come to my mind while I'm, while I'm talking. You know, I, I keep it genuine. I keep it fresh off the dome sometimes. So uh, we, got, we got content for all types of listeners here today. And... To start off the content, we're going to focus on the Thursday game. That is the Rams versus the Patriots. Ew, that's the first thing I want to say. This is going to be a game that's probably not very entertaining. Probably not going to be a fun watch. I think this is going to be a defensive fought game. And, uh, you know, this might be a little foreshadowing for something we're going to talk about later with this game. I think it's going to be defensive. All right, but with the Thrifty Thursday trick, we got two guys. I really have no interest in any Patriots at this point. Even if somebody goes down to injury, I mean, the starters are really not even producing for fantasy, so I'm not interested in the Patriots. So for the Thrifty Thursday trick, I'm looking at Darrell Henderson and Tyler Higby. If either of those guys are on your waivers, then pick them up because if Gerald Everett goes down, Higby will have a substantially bigger role moving forward. If Cam Akers goes down, then Henderson will have a substantially bigger role going forward. If Cam Akers is on your waiver, he's probably not. But if he is, obviously he is the true answer to this thrifty Thursday trick. But I try to keep it with somebody that's, you know, more realistically on your waiver wire. So Darrell Henderson, Tyler Higby, those are the thrifty Thursday trick guys this week. And I just want to say that I am sitting everyone possible in tonight's game. If you have any Rams, if you have any Patriots, like I said, I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I am not playing anyone if I don't have to. And if you have to choose from one of the Rams receivers, Brandon, we can't sit everyone in this game. There's one person. There's one person that I got to choose from. I got Robert Woods or I got Cooper Cup. I mean, I'm sure one of the receivers is going to do good, right? Probably off receptions and yards in a PPR league, probably one of the receivers will do good. So if you have to choose a Rams wide receiver, I'm going to choose Cooper Cup. Why? Stephon Gilmore is probably going to be on Robert Woods most of the game. Cup is going to be in the slot. Gilmore does not travel to the slot more or slot much. He's more often on the outside. His slot rate is like below 20% on the season. So he is not in the slot very often. So he's going to be on the outside on Woods most likely, giving Cup the much easier matchup. And that's why I would go with Cooper Cup in this game. If you have to choose a receiver, but like I said, not trying to start anyone there. Now let's talk real quick. We'll wrap up the Monday night game that I didn't hit on in the last podcast. That was the 49ers-Bills game. We'll talk about that real quick. And then we'll talk about Tuesday's game, Cowboys-Ravens. 
and then we'll get into starts, sits, all that good stuff. All right, so 49ers Bills, Zach Moss fumbled early on, didn't see the field after that. Now, there's some speculation he was injured. I haven't really seen any like big injuries pop up. And also, I mean, is the fumble really on him? Was it on Josh Allen? Probably a miscommunication between both, but whatever happened, whatever whatever went down, Zach Moss was not in the game for the rest of the time. Devin Singletary was just dominating the touches at that point. Singletary looked all right, and he still wasn't really good for fantasy. And, you know, it's going to continue to be what I've been saying for the past six weeks, guys. Don't start the Bills running backs. They got Josh Allen taking away touchdowns in the rushing game. They've got two of them splitting touches, and the Bills don't even, they're not even a run-heavy team anymore. Not only because they have digs, but also because their defense is nowhere near where it was last year, and it's not holding down leads and allowing them to run the ball like they used to. So, yeah, I am not starting any of the Bills running backs. That's pretty much the takeaway there. And then Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, they went off with Keenan Allen. Nice to see a good bounce back, even versus a pretty good defense. Brandon Ayuk is better in the NFL than I thought he would be. Now, I will say that my biggest thing with Ayuk coming out of college was, you know, he's not a refined route runner. He's a yak guy. Once he gets the ball in his hands, he's dynamic. But in the NFL, is he going to be able to just get open on good cover corners and whatnot? But he really, truly landed in the perfect place for his yak ability, for his yak skills. Because the 49ers, they will hit you with the play action. They will run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and take their shots when need be, when it's strategic. Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing with the passing game. And it's perfect for Ayuk and Debo, another guy who's very good after the catch. That's the type of receiver that's thriving in the 49ers' Kyle Shanahan offense. So he landed in the perfect spot. If Ayuk went somewhere else, would he be as successful? I don't think he would be. So it's kind of a mix between, yes, I was kind of wrong on Ayuk. He's a better, more well-rounded receiver than I thought he would be coming out of college. But he also landed in a perfect situation that knows how to utilize the strengths of a wide receiver and not let their weaknesses hurt them in the game. So I don't think he's great at anything aside for his yak ability, but he'll be decent for fantasy because of the situation. And he's a good hold in dynasty because, look, if the 49ers move off Garoppolo, if they find another quarterback, if their defense gets worse and they end up having to be a more pass-heavy team, because remember, Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta, and Atlanta always was passing the ball a lot. So it is definitely a possibility that Kyle Shanahan has that offense at some point in San Francisco. Then Ayuk has a decent outlook, but I wouldn't be getting too crazy, too excited, because they still have Kittle, who's obviously not been playing recently. That'll be back. Now let's talk about the Cowboys versus the Ravens. Michael Gallup is still Andy's dude. I mean, Andy Dalton was targeting Gallup more than any other receiver in this game, and it seems like that's just how it is going to be for Andy Dalton. But I will say all the Dallas wide receivers did get a similar target share. I believe it was 11 to Gallup and then 9 targets to both Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. So a nice spread there. And I will say the wide receivers don't have a great schedule coming up in Dallas. After this week versus Cincinnati, which is a pretty good matchup, And by the way, I was very surprised they did good versus Baltimore. That wasn't a good matchup, and they did fine. But Dalton did throw over 45 times. That's probably, I mean, maybe he'll be in the 40s. But I don't think that we'll see the type of success versus Baltimore 
continuing forward for the rest of the schedule after this week for Cincy. So be a little weary with the Dallas wide receivers. J.K. Dobbins has taken over the running back one role. It's super clear at this point. He doesn't get a lot of touches still. And similar to the Bills running backs, guys, just like Josh Allen can take away the touchdown potential from them, from Moss and Singletary, Lamar Jackson, when you get inside the five-yard line, it's no guaranteed that a Ravens running back is getting the ball. It might be Lamar Jackson. And even if a Ravens running back is getting the ball, there's no guarantee it's Dobbins instead of Edwards. Maybe they'll even bring in Ingram. It seems like they're starting to phase out Ingram, which also indicates that they will not be picking up his uh, deal, like his his last year, because technically he is under contract for next year. But it you know, how they're phasing him out indicates that he will not be on that team next year. So it looks like it's going to be the Dobbins show, and that's good for the future because Gus Edwards is also a free agent. But I will say they're probably going to bring in somebody. I doubt they're just going to leave it all to Dobbins. So I wouldn't be like top 10 running back. Dobbins is top 10, like a lot of people are saying, because they might re-sign Edwards if he gives them a good deal, if nobody's really bidding them up for him. Or They might draft somebody, or Justice Hill might just become that number two that they give a lot of touches to. We'll see. That's part of the reason I hold Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, because, you know, their situation can definitely change very quickly in just this one offseason. Aside from Dobbins, Lamar has not been very accurate, and I see a lot of people like, did you see that Marquise Brown throw? That Marquise Brown throw was perfect. That was a dime. Yes, yes, but then they take it too far. And they say, Lamar Jackson is accurate. LOL at all the people saying Mark or Lamar Jackson is not accurate. Guys, it's one throw. Just because a quarterback throws a couple perfect passes does not make them accurate. Because, by the way, part of being accurate is being consistent. Accuracy is an overall metric. Not on one pass or this pass or whatever passes you want to deem as, oh, that was accurate. See, he's accurate. Accuracy is something you have to do consistently. Lamar Jackson is not that guy. I don't think he ever will be. Now, I'm not saying it's not possible. It definitely is. And that doesn't necessarily really hurt his fantasy potential to a huge degree because the thing that makes him great for fantasy is running the ball. And right now, that offense just has no creativity. Like Lamar Jackson said earlier this year, he heard the defense calling out the play and where everyone was going because Greg Roman has not really change the offense at all from last year so it's very easy for defenses to make a game plan this season versus that offense that's part of the problem but I will say guys not accurate stop with the Lamar Jackson is accurate nonsense no he's not he has some good passes and he has you know a lot of talent in that arm but he doesn't bring it all together and he's not an accurate quarterback all right Marquise Brown had a good fantasy day But it was with a touchdown, and he only had 39 yards. Don't get excited for Marquise Brown. Gus Edwards, like I said, is a firm dynasty hold. He has talent. He may be a cheap option in the offseason, so we'll have to see where he lands. But that's an interesting thing to look at. Now let's start with some starts, some DFS plays. Ronald Jones versus the Vikings. So I've had this weird thing going on with Ronald Jones. You know know how they say you get the Spider-Man senses, like my senses are tingling? I got some type of Ronald Jones senses here because I'm pretty sure every single time that I have called Ronald Jones as a start on the podcast, on Thursday podcast episodes, every single time Ronald Jones has put up double-digit points. There's not that many games this season that Ronald Jones has put up double-digit points. It's hovering around 50%. So, And 
all the times that he had less than double digit points, I never said start him as a start on the uh, on this segment of the podcast. So I'm telling you to start him, and it's kind of like a weird Bucks sense thing as a Bucks fan, and like just knowing the team and what I expect from them. Here's the thing. Let's remember Mike Evans, right? We were all worried about Mike Evans four or five weeks ago because his targets weren't coming. Then Bruce Arians said that Mike Evans needs to get the ball more. And earlier, before the season started, he said, anytime that we come out of a game and Mike Evans doesn't have 10 targets, I failed as a coach. So obviously that was not evident right away in the season, but as we started seeing some problems with Mike Evans not getting a lot of targets, Bruce Arians said something during the season, and immediately since then, Mike Evans has been getting a lot of targets, right? He just said, after the Chiefs game, when Ronald Jones had two really big plays, one reception that went for a touchdown where he made like three people miss or two people miss, toe-tapped the sideline and took it to the house, and then another run that he broke off for like 35 yards, and this was two weeks after like another huge run versus another team, he finally realized it. And, you know, I was making fun of him saying, yeah, no shit, Bruce Arians. But he actually finally said, hey, Ronald Jones needs 20 touches a game. What we have been saying here for, you know, since week three, forever. And I think it's going to happen this week versus Minnesota. I don't expect the Bucks to be like having to play catch up in this game. Definitely not. I think that they're going to be able to move the ball very efficiently, very well. And coming off a bye week, right, coming off a bye week, I definitely think that they're going to have the perfect game plan to beat Minnesota. And I think that game plan relies on the run. All right. So Ronald Jones versus the Vikings, fire him up this week. Tyler Boyd versus the Cowboys. Ryan Finley is now at quarterback instead of Brandon Allen. Ryan Finley is the exact opposite of Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen likes to push the ball downfield. Ryan Finley likes to keep it close to the vest. And who's the receiver that's close to the vest for the Bengals? It is Tyler Boyd, not T. Higgins. And also, T. Higgins is questionable dealing with a hammy issue. So Tyler Boyd versus the Cowboys, horrible secondary, great matchup. And I actually believe that the Cowboys are going to be able to move the ball after watching them versus Baltimore. I think they're going to be able to move the ball versus this Cincy defense. So, you know, this game might have some more points than people expect. And that's going to be good for Tyler Boyd because they're going to have to play catch up to try and win. Speaking on this game, all of the Dallas receivers versus the Bengals, two of the three are probably going to hit. Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, two of the three are probably going to hit. Why not all three? Because another person I think you should start is Ezekiel Elliott. Now, it's so weird that I even have to say that because I always try to keep non-obvious people in these type of segments, but I know a lot of people have been worried on Elliott because he's had a lot of bad games, but he looked good versus the Ravens. He got a lot of touches, and he's going to do great versus the Bengals. We might see a top five running back finish from Ezekiel Elliott this week, and that's the reason I think only two of the Dallas receivers are going to hit because I think they will win this game. I think they're going to be up enough that they're going to just be pounding it with Elliott, and that's going to cause them to not have to throw the ball 45 times or 48 times, whatever it was, versus the Baltimore Ravens just, you know, what, two days ago on Tuesday? So, that's why I really like Elliott as well. Then another running back that gets a lot of touches and is facing a bad defense, David Montgomery, the guy that we said bye a long time ago, right? He's had two 20-plus games in a row. I expect it to continue versus Houston, and here's the best part. Not only is it a, a great matchup for running backs, 
not only is Monty getting mad touches, not only has he been good consistently for the past two, three weeks, but also this game is windy and might have some rain. So what does that speak to? Running the ball. So David Montgomery versus Texans? Yes, please. Corey Davis versus the Jaguars. This is contingent on Jonu Smith and A.J. Brown being out. Both are questionable. Corey Davis was great with them out in the last game. Uh, A.J. wasn't completely out, but he was banged up. Jonu was out. Corey Davis versus the Jaguars, great matchup, and he might be the number one target there. On the other side of the ball, Mike Glennon has seemed to find his favorite receiver, and that is the one and only Colin Johnson. The big boy, red zone threat, throw it up to me, I'm winning the 50-50 ball. Colin Johnson versus the Titans, great matchup as well. And I do think the Titans are going to be up in this game most of the time, if not the whole time. And that means the Jaguars are going to be throwing the ball, trying to play catch up. I like Colin Johnson. If you really, really need him in a deep league, or if you want to throw him out in DFS, he's still super cheap. As well, Mike Glennon versus the Titans. He's been all right in a two quarterback league. You can throw him out there. He's, I think he's got like an average of like 16 points the last two weeks. So it's an all right matchup. If you're really struggling for quarterback, I'm sure he's on the waiver. If not, um, hopefully you have him, but I think he'll be all right. Start versus the Titans. Jonathan Taylor versus the Raiders. Hopefully he's getting the touches early on, but he's going to get the touches. I believe so because he's gotten almost, he's gotten more than 15 touches the past two games, right? And he's done good in both games. He had a lot of really good vision runs actually last week. And that was part of the biggest problem in the early season is he had no vision. He was just running into alignment. He was missing wide open gaps. He was not going where he should have been. And Last game, he looked really good. There's a lot of tweets out there. If you just type in Jonathan Taylor's name on Twitter, you'll see a whole bunch of gifs that people made of him taking the right hole consistently over and over and over. I really like that. Jonathan Taylor versus the Raiders, which is also another good matchup, I think is a great play. The Falcons wide receivers versus the Chargers. It's just a good matchup. It's going to be a high-scoring game. It's in a dome. Calvin Ridley, fire him up. Julio Jones, fire him up. Honestly, this is a game I'm going to be all over. We're going to talk about that in, uh, a little bit later on. Hint, hint. Mike Williams on the other side of the ball. Like I said, I'm all over this game. Falcons allow the second most points to the fantasy wide receiver. Mike Williams has been getting between five and eight targets the past three, four weeks. And I think this is going to be the game where he really hits. He hasn't hit in a minute. And I think he's going to do so this week. And then lastly, Stafford versus the Packers. Whoa, Brandon. What? The Packers are... The 25th worst matchup for the fantasy quarterback. Don't you see that? Yes, I do. But let me tell you something. These are the people that the Packers have played so far. The last one, two, three, four, five games have been bad quarterbacks. They've played San Francisco. Gross quarterbacks never put up points for San Francisco. They're a run first team and they've been dealing with a bunch of injuries. Jacksonville. Gross. Indianapolis, we both know. You and me. Phillip Rivers, trash. Chicago, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, trash. Philadelphia, I mean, if we're just looking at the output so far this season, Carson Wentz has been trash. So the Packers have not played quarterbacks that put up much points to begin with in fantasy. That's why they're 25th. And Stafford is a quarterback that can put up points. And he just played a great game. First, the Chicago Bears, and now he's going to Green Bay, and I will also tell you, a lot of Green Bay 
fans are worried about this game. Uh, I saw a couple of them saying this is going to be the game we're going to lose, isn't it? And it might be. I don't think so. I think the Packers are going to have this in the bag. But Stafford is going to be a great play versus the Packers this week. I feel it. I feel it. Now let's talk about some sits. Not too many. Only five for you guys. Jared Goff versus the Patriots. And I will say before I go into this that I did post a video clip on Instagram and Twitter and actually YouTube. I just started up the YouTube, guys. If you want to help me out, go on YouTube. Also, you know, just open yourself up to more content. Go on YouTube, Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm going to be uploading, you know, short videos here and there, like two to five minute videos on either a player I really like, a bet that I really like. Um, once the offseason starts, probably like different types of strategies to employ or highlights on a rookie or whatever. So check that out. Subscribe for me. Turn on post notifications. That would be awesome. But getting back to this, Jared Goff versus the Patriots. I, like I said, posted a clip on Instagram, Twitter. You might have seen it. But if you didn't, over the last six games, Jared Goff has averaged 15 points. Jared Goff is a non-mobile quarterback. Non-mobile quarterbacks this season versus the New England Patriots have averaged 10.4 fantasy points. 10.4, and Jared Goff has averaged 15 points over the last six games. Both of those are signaling to, signaling to me that Jared Goff is going to have a very bad day tonight versus the Patriots. And this is part of the reason that I'm saying this is going to be a horrible game to watch because I don't see many fantasy points going around. And anybody watching this game that's not a Rams fan and not a Patriots fan probably is watching because either they're super bored and it's the only Thursday game or because they have fantasy guys going. And hopefully it's not number two for you because I don't think anybody's going to be putting up fantasy points in this game at all. Cam Newton versus the Rams. Other side of the ball. Fitting. Rams are 32nd against the quarterback. They are the absolute worst matchup. So I'm not interested at all on the Patriots side either. Brandon Cooks versus the Bears. Like I said, this is going to be a windy game. That's part of the reason I really liked David Montgomery. Windy game, possible to have rain. And the Bears are also the 28th worst matchup first wide receivers. So I'm staying away from Brandon Cooks this week, even though he's been so great to us. So great to us for such a long time now. Devin Singletary versus Steelers. You guys know the deep dive mantra. Sit the Bills running backs. Raheem Mostert, that's sad, man. He was supposed to be the one who gets all the touches when he's healthy, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen versus the Bills. Jeff Wilson was getting a bunch of touches, and they were in the red zone, so no longer trustworthy is Raheem Mostert, and now he's facing a good D-line in Washington, so sit Raheem Mostert if you can. And that wraps up the starts and sits. We are going to get to five my five favorite betting lines this week, but first, we got this. What's up, divers? Do you enjoy a good workout like me? Are you trying to get built? If so, you need a good source of protein after to get maximum gains. Luckily, your boy, talking about myself, just got sponsored by Built Bar. So you can get some awesome protein bars at 10% off with my code DEEPDIVE. Just check out BuiltBar.com where they have so many sick options. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here. That's right, you heard me, right here. And drop me a rating or review, and if you are feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. Alright, welcome back. Five favorite betting lines. Let's get it. We are 8-2 and two since adding this segment. 8-2, and two, baby. That is what I like to see. Let's see if we can get in another 4-1 and one week, maybe, if we're lucky. Because it does take a little bit of luck, let's be honest. 
Maybe we can get a 5-0 and o weekend, but the goal is always 3 out of 5. And the first one we're going to start with is an over-under in the Chargers-Falcons game. The over-under is set at 49. I do not understand why the over-under is set at 49. I mean, this game is in a dome. Most games in this week, most games are either cold or have rain or wind or whatnot. A lot of them do, not most, but a lot of them do. And this is not one of them. This is a dome game. With the Falcons offense, which has been sputtering, but still has a lot of ammo, a lot of firepower, and the Chargers offense, maybe it's an overreaction to the fact that the Chargers just put up zero points versus the Patriots. I could have told you that we shouldn't have expected much from the offense versus the Patriots. Obviously, I wouldn't have thought it would be that bad, but the Chargers are bouncing back this week. You better believe it. And it's not because of Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn is not a good coach. That's not why. It's because it's the Falcons' defense. It's because Justin Herbert is going to just bounce back. He's a good player. Kenan Allen is a good player. Austin Eckler, good player. Mike Williams, good player. Hunter Henry, good player. Shall I continue? 49? 49? I'm slamming. Slamming the over. This was the first bet that I put in the category for my five favorite this week. This was the first one. It was screaming at me. I'm taking the over on the 49 in the Dome game. And I will also say... You might look at the fact, when you're looking at Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones, that the Chargers are 29th against wide receivers. Don't freak out about that, because usually this deep into the season, schedules are good indicators. But as we talked about with the Packers versus Stafford earlier, that's not always the case. Let's look at the wide receivers that the Chargers have played recently and why they are the 29th worst team, quote-unquote, versus the wide receivers in fantasy football. They played New Orleans without Michael Thomas. They've played the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've played the Denver Broncos. Okay, let's look at those three teams real quick. Saints without Michael Thomas, not much going to the receivers. It's all Alvin Kamara. The Jaguars, Chark's been not doing anything all year, and he's been in and out of the lineup. LaVisca's been in and out of the lineup. Colin Johnson only just started getting going. They've played the Jags a while ago. So, you know, not many points going to the receivers there. The Broncos have been horrible. Shit show, honestly, on offense. In terms of the wide receivers, you can't predict it. And it's also not many points in general going to the receiver position. The Raiders, all their points are funneled through Jacobs and Darren Waller. And sometimes random hit days on Nelson Aguilar, which is not often. And was not versus the Chargers. And then Miami... Miami's been running the ball, playing good defense, and not much points have been going to the receivers. Definitely not touchdowns. The touchdowns have been going to Gesicki and the running backs and the defense. So Miami's not a threat. They've also played the Jets. The Jets, not a threat with receivers. And the Patriots. Jacoby Myers is the only dude there that's been doing anything, and it's not even really much. It's more points on just like some receiving yards and stuff here and there. So really, that's one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games that they've played that have basically really bad receivers in fantasy in general. So it just makes it look like they've been really good, but they are not. They are not that great. So I really like the over here. Chargers Falcons, lock it in. Second bet, 49ers to cover minus three versus Washington. Brandon Washington just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it did. Yeah, they did. And it took everything they had. And it also took a whole bunch of drops from the Pittsburgh receivers. 
let's just pretend for a second that the Steelers wide receivers knew how to catch in that game, all right? Eric Ebron would have had three more catches or two more catches. Deontay Johnson would have had two or three more catches. And I'm pretty sure Juju also dropped. I know he dropped at least one. So you're talking about that's like three extra drives that would have been sustained longer. And the Steelers would have won that game if they just caught some balls. And they didn't. So it's really like Washington has a good defense, yes. And they are going against the Nick Mullins-led 49ers, yes. But I like the 49ers to cover this. Why? Because the 49ers defense versus Washington. Washington did not put up that much points against the Steelers defense. And yes, I know the Steelers defense is really good. But I will say the Steelers defense lost, lost Bud Dupree last week. So they didn't have him at all in this game versus Washington. It was the first game that we've seen the Steelers obviously not have Bud Dupree. So we don't know how much yet their defense is going to be impacted by that. So maybe, maybe they're not the dominant crazy Steelers anymore without him. We'll see, right? So, and Washington also had a lot of points off turnovers. If the 49ers protect the ball, which I think will be the number one priority for Kyle Shanahan, if they protect the ball, their defense is going to be holding Washington down to sub-20 points, all right? If the And if their defense gets a turnover or two, which is definitely, definitely possible. I mean, we're talking about the, I almost said Redskins, the Washington football team here, right? And Alex Smith is not like a crazy turnover guy, but he doesn't have Antonio Gibson, his only threat on offense. I guess not only threat, he's got Logan Thomas too, but basically his only threat is Terry McLaurin. It's very possible that the 49ers defense, with the talent that they have, gets some turnovers as well. I think minus three, they're favored by three. I think we can put that in the bag. The 49ers are going to win by more than that. I got them winning by a touchdown or bigger. So I like this bet as the second one. We'll lock it in. Third bet, the Cowboys are favored by three versus the Bengals. I think the Cowboys win by more than three versus the Bengals. So that's the side we're going to. Both of these teams have backup quarterbacks. The Cowboys obviously have Andy Dalton. The Bengals now have Ryan Finley. But if you look at the rest of the team, every single position for the Bengals is better on offense around the backup quarterback. Andy Dalton has CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup. And you can even throw in Dalton Schultz. That's his receiving core. The Bengals receiving core, T. Higgins, if he plays, is going to be banged up with a hamstring issue. Tyler Boyd. Auden Tate has not been getting that much run, and Drew Samples are right, but he's not crazy. So who has the better receiving core? Dallas. All right, and also, also who who's the better quarterback, Andy Dalton or Ryan Finley? Andy Dalton, right? So that's already two points to the Cowboys. Also, um, everybody loves this narrative, right? Here it is. Revenge game. Revenge game. Revenge game. Andy Dalton. Coming back to Cincinnati, he's going to be on fire versus that defense. That defense that he played against in practice every single day. With And now with these receivers, come on. Come on. And he's got Ezekiel Elliott. The Bengals just announced that Joe Mixon will not be playing this week. So, boom, there's another point to the Cowboys. They got the better running back. Who has the better offensive line? You might think, ooh, wait a second. Dallas has had a really banged up O-line, but guess what? Over the past two, three weeks, they've actually protected Andy Dalton really, really well. It took a very long time, and two days ago, 
in last week's game versus the Ravens for the Ravens to get a sack. The Ravens' defense is very good. And you know whose defense ain't good? The Cincinnati Bengals. So, yeah, I'm all over this. Cowboys minus three. They are winning this game by seven minimum, and Zeke is going to dominate. Andy Dalton's going to have his revenge game. He's going to look pretty good. I like it. Now we got two bets left to pick from. This is when it started getting tougher. This is when it started getting tougher. I After those three that I really, really liked, then there was a lot of like, ooh, I like this one, but there's definitely a way it can go wrong. But we got to take two more, right? The whole point is to take five. So we got to take two more. I'm taking the Patriots to cover plus five versus the Rams. I mean, I, I'm confused. I'm so confused. Did we not learn our, our lesson? Did we, did we not did we not just watch the Patriots win 45 to 0? I'm so confused. How are the Rams favored by 5 versus the Patriots? I, I think that's obnoxious. Everybody is sleeping Vegas. You are sleeping on Bill Belichick. I will tell you this and this is plain and simple. If Cam Newton protects the ball, this game is over. If Cam Newton protects the ball, this game is over. Jared Goff is not getting anything done versus this Patriots defense. And I actually have this note right next to me from when I made the the two- or three-minute video on why Jared Goff is an ultimate sit that I posted on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. So I'll tell it to you right now. Here are the stats. Jared Goff has played the Patriots twice in his career. His average fantasy points between those two games is seven. In the Super Bowl, the most recent time they played, he had 229 yards and one interception, zero touchdowns versus Bill Belichick. And that game was a bore, right? That's exactly what I think is going to happen again here. And if Cam Newton can just protect the ball, which he's been doing better, uh, he's been better at doing so in the past few weeks, then I don't see how the Patriots lose this game. Their defense has been playing really well. Bill Belichick is in his pocket right now. He is... He knows exactly how to defend Jared Goff. And you guys are going to see on Thursday, which is today, because that's when the podcast comes out. You guys are going to see today. Watch. Patriots are going to win this game. And if they don't win this game, they're probably losing by between one and three. So the Rams being favored by five, I am all over that. Take the Patriots side. Take them to cover plus five. Lock it in. We got one more. And I totally overlooked my own team in the betting area. And so we're going to the Bucks game. The over/under on the Bucks Vikings game is 52. The Bucks are coming off a bye. Everything on their offense should be clicking very well. I expect the Bucks to put up points. I'm talking 28 minimum. 28 minimum. You're hearing it from me. The Bucks are putting up 28 minimum on the Minnesota Vikings. What does that leave? All right, where are my math people at? Right, that leaves 24 points. So do we think the Bucks are going to massively exceed 28 points? Because I'm saying that's the minimum. Or do we think the Vikings can score 22? Yes and yes. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 35-28. Because I expect the Bucks to get the lead, to put up points, to keep the foot on the gas, whether it's with Rojo or not. See, here's the thing about Ronald Jones. When a team is up and they're running the ball to try and control the clock, It's usually not great for a high-scoring game, right? If you want a high-scoring game, that's usually not great. You know why it's great for the Bucs? Because Ronald Jones 
is one miss away from a touchdown on every single play. If one defender misses him, right, he goes through the hole, and, and if that defender misses him, it's going to the house. He's got the speed to take it there. So if the Bucks are playing with a lead and they're trying to win the game and they're running the ball, that does not mean that all of a sudden this is going to be a low-scoring game. Ronald Jones is just as likely to take one to the house as a pass to any one of our wide receivers, especially with the accuracy Brady has been working with down the field with passes going over 20 yards. So I really don't see a situation in which the Bucks come off a bye and don't put up at least 28 points, probably 30-plus, versus the Vikings. And with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen on the other side playing catch-up, the Vikings are, and, and Dalvin Cook being a good receiver as well, the Vikings are going to be able to put up at least three touchdowns playing catch-up. So I like the over on 52. Those are the five favorite betting lines. We are 8-2 and two so far since starting this segment. Hopefully, hopefully, we go 4-1 and one again. Keep the streak going. Go to 12-3. and three. That would be nice, wouldn't it? So, you know, keep, keep with me on the segment. We'll see how it goes. And we got a couple more things to talk about. We got our defensive streamers. Just a couple. And our situations to monitor. My two favorite defenses or, or, you know, that might possibly be available to you based on, you know, what I've been seeing from people sending me questions and whatnot. The 49ers and the Seahawks. The 49ers this week play Washington. And next week as well, next week as well, because we're playing through the playoffs, right? And hopefully you win and you have to find a defense for next week. Well, the 49ers can solve your problem this week and next week. They got Washington now, and they got Dallas next week. Same thing with the Seahawks. They got the Jets now in a game that is going to be rainy. And then they got Washington later. So both the 49ers and Seahawks could be your solution at defense for two weeks in a row in the playoffs. Then we got our situations to monitor. Jonathan Taylor, his usage. Look, he's going to get the touches. I firmly believe he is getting the touches at this point. The question is when. I was extremely worried about Jonathan Taylor in the first half in this week that ended. That just ended. But then all of a sudden, second half, he was getting mad carries. So I want to see him get the carries early on. Let him win you the game early on versus the Raiders. Come on, Indy. Let's see it. Another same situation, another rookie here, J.K. Dobbins. How's his usage? Is he getting the red zone carries over Gus Edwards every time? Is Lamar Jackson still a a huge threat? I mean, that's always going to be the case. But, you know, let's just see how many times are they going to, when they're inside the red zone, when they're inside the 20, how many times are they going to run Lamar Jackson versus, Jonathan? I almost said Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, right? So Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, both of these rookies, we want to look at their usage when and where, right? Ryan Finley, his target distribution, I definitely expect Tyler Boyd to be his number one target. But after that, right, after that, what are we looking at? Miami defense, they are facing the ultimate test versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Miami, this is your time. This is your time. You guys are, what is it, eight and, did they have their bye week already? I think they did. I think they're eight and four, right? Miami is eight and four. Trying to make to the play, make the playoffs when everyone thought this was a rebuilding year. No, 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 says Brian Flores. No, sir. We're trying to take it right now. Miami defense has been the catalyst for doing so, and that is the main reason they are eight and four. If you guys are legit, legit, this is the time to show it. Versus the Kansas City Chiefs, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And then lastly, Jalen Hurts first. 
Taysom Hill? Maybe? Maybe? I think Taysom Hill is playing. Uh, Drew Brees is questionable right now, but they've been rolling with Taysom Hill just because Sean Payton is an amazing coach and their defense has been on a tear. And now they're playing Philly, who have allowed a ridiculous amount of sacks through the season. And yes, it's Jalen Hurts, who is much better at avoiding sacks because of his legs. And he's not going to just hold the ball back there and just hope somebody gets open magically uh, when they're not even looking downfield like Carson Wentz has been doing recently. So, you know, they don't really need... I mean, so the sacks aren't going to come as easy, but it's still going to be an easy matchup overall for the Saints defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if if there's even one tiny little worry about Breeze, one tiny little chance of re-injury because he's not 100% because he's 99.9% healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton holds him out again. I mean, the the Saints are already the number one seed, right? Let's look at the threats to take that seed away from them. The Seahawks, they're losing games right now. They're two games behind the Saints. The Packers, they're not going to threaten the Saints. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's it. I mean, I, I don't think the Saints are going to lose the number one seed. I really don't think they're going to lose it. So... I think they're going to be fine rolling Taysom Hill out. And if so, if so, Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill, that's going to be an interesting game. Definitely not something you would have ever expected to see on the slate for this year. So I'm excited to see it. And mainly I want to see Jalen Hurts because it's going to be, you know, it's another young quarterback who has legs, which always means huge fantasy potential. And if you're wondering about Hurts this week, I would say, man, Honestly, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with what I, I think about Hurts. Because look, here's the thing. If Hurts is able to pull off 60 yards rushing, right? He had more than 30 yards rushing in the game versus the Packers, and he didn't even play for a full half. So if he has 60 yards rushing versus the Saints, with possibility at a touchdown, that's already 12 points, not including any passing statistics. Now, I think that's going to be the X factor, because I don't expect much passing statistics from Jalen Hurts versus the Saints defense. So it's really going to be, does he get a rushing touchdown or not, in my opinion. And it's it's a tough bet to make. It really is. I, I'm thinking Jalen Hurts is going to be in the quarterback range of uh, 12 to 18, most likely. But, you know, he, he's definitely worth a start in a super flex league, in a QB2 league. But temper your expectations. Don't think he's just going to have a party in his first start in the NFL, right? Especially versus this defense. I mean, that's a tough, tough first start so it'll be interesting to watch and that's the uh, last situation to monitor so guys thank you for listening to the podcast thank you for tuning in i wish you luck in your fantasy matchups and um you know hope your nfl team does well as as well unless you're a vikings fan then i hope your team shits the bed because i need the bucks to get this win guys the bucks are seven and five right now i need the bucks to be eight and five i'm trying to get the bucks to lock up the fifth seed yes i'm trying to get the bucks to lock up the fifth seed so that they can play the winner of the nfc least which is looking like it's going to be either the giants or the redskins i think the bucks will beat both of or either of those teams in the playoffs so i'm really hoping as you know a struggling bucks and bucks stand since 2010 i've never seen my bucks make the playoffs even when they were 10 and 6 that one year in doug martin's rookie year, i think it was 2012 when they were 10 and 6 they didn't even make the playoffs ridiculous um so i've only seen one winning season from my bucks since i've been watching football zero playoff games so you know 
Uh, root for the Bucks for me. If 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 you have no reason to root against the Bucks, send some positive energy towards your boys' way. I need the Bucks win versus the Vikings. I I think it's going to be an easy win, honestly. I mean, no win is easy in the NFL, but I think we got this one in the bag. The question is, are we going to win both games versus Atlanta? And I know I'm just going on a Bucks rant now. Some sometimes I just struggle knowing how to or when to stop talking. You know, I like talking to you guys, but anyways. Let's get a Bucks win. Let's get some fantasy wins. And uh, I'm hoping that just as many people as listening are listening today are listening next week because that means you guys all won. And let me know if you got any specific questions that you don't think I was able to answer with my starts and sits because obviously I can't talk about any, everything. That would be, you know, that would take forever. So let me know whatever questions you got, guys. Also, if you want the merch, uh, hit me up. I will let you know. I'm pretty sure my shipment is going to be coming because I went through the first shipment already because you guys are awesome. Um, the next shipment's probably going to be here within the week, so I'll be posting some stuff on that as well. Peace out, guys. Have a good one. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm out.